Well, it is good to be in the house of the Lord, and good to have each of you with us today. Good to have the many of you joining us online. We're glad you're here as well as a participant in the worship service. We, um, we as followers of Christ, as people, as, as Christians, as, as the church, we find ourselves in a moment in time here that is pretty unique. When we read great stories or see movies or cinema, the great epic tales of our day, it starts off with um, maybe doubt and fear or conflict or what's going to happen is good going to triumph over evil. But in the end, the, the greatest stories and tales, and in the end, yes, good wins and the good guy wins and all is well in the end. Um, <clears throat> Interesting, even this week, as um, it, it, was, it was a few months ago now, we, we got a new TV in our household. And uh, I've got a friend up in Wichita who works and, and uh, sells TVs, and he gave us a good deal. And, and it's 4K. And it's got the OLED stuff. And it's, it's got all this great, great, just beautiful, sharp, crisp picture, you know. And, and just, it's awesome in darkness and in light and all that stuff. And it does great. And I watched the Andy Griffith show on it. <laughs> and it's in black and white, right? And oh boy, it's, you know, Barney Fife in, you know, life, life size. And, and so just, that's one of my favorites. I watched some other things too, but, but uh, that, that's one of the things. And one of the things I like about the Andy Griffith show is within a half hour, the world is made right. <laughs> you know, within a half hour, they figure it out and all is well and even, you know, if Barney can't sing right or there's a problem with, with Otis or, you know, whatever. <laughs> Ernest T. Bass, watch out for him. But within a half hour, things get settled, right? Our best stories in our society, in the end, the good guy wins. Except in Scripture, where this funny, crazy thing happens, where the good guy wins, in the middle. Jesus comes, actually has already come, and he has defeated death. He's died on the cross to deal with our sins, but then he was resurrected. He has already won. He already has the victory. And we have no doubt about that, and we, we don't have to hope it happens one day. No, we already have that victory. Jesus has already won. But then we have, we know that the promises, the result, the consequences of all that what Jesus has done for us will come into full glory and full fulfillment down the road in the future when we're with him in heaven, right? And so we have, Jesus has already won, but we have the full manifestation of all of that coming. And what we're in, what, what scholars would call, we're in the in-between. In between. It's been done. It's been settled. But it has not yet fully come into God's glory. And so we're living in this, this in between. And so what does that mean for us today? And what do we do until then? We who are in the in between. And we know that from the time we come to know Christ. And come to understand and, and be saved. Jesus saves us. And then the time we as individuals get to know God's salvation, or God's, God's glory, not just salvation, but full glory, 
What do we do in the in-between? And for some, that question could last, I don't know, a hundred years, up to a hundred years. What do we do with what we have been, what has been promised until what has been promised will be fulfilled? What, what do we do in that time? And that is the question we're going to seek to answer today by turning to one of the deepest, most meaty books of the Bible, Romans. I'm going to Romans just for this week. And there is such depth and substance and meaningfulness in, in what we read in Romans. And so turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 12, and let's see what we are to do in this in-between time. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. So, brothers and sisters, because of God's mercy, I encourage you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. This is your appropriate priestly service. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can figure out what God's will is, what is good and pleasing and mature. When, when Christians begin to talk about the, the in-between, the days, the months, the maybe even years or sometimes even decades between being saved and then coming to fully know Christ in heaven, the talk is often then centered on time. What will you do with the time that you have been given? You, you have been saved, and you know that. You will follow the Lord all of your days. What will you do, though, in the time until you come into full glory? And it's a popular question to ask, actually, a popular question to ask at funerals, because it's a season of life in which people are maybe even confronted with their own mortality. And we realize, especially when we lose a loved one, that, oh boy, life is short. And we're not guaranteed any amount of time past the present. So we should take advantage of the time that is given to us. We, we can worry about the past or we can look ahead to the future, but we should embrace the gift that is right now, right in front of us. It's why it's called the present, right? It's the gift. And that gift... Every breath we have is a gift, and so we would say, use your time wisely. Use your time effectively. Don't waste the time that you've been given. And that's a good message, but it's actually not what we find in Romans chapter 12. It's not the message for us today, for the in-between. Paul, in writing to the Romans, does not say, I encourage you to present your calendar as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. Or I encourage you to present your time log or your schedule, your hour-by-hour list of the to-do things as a sacrifice to the Lord. No, look back at verse 1. What, what did he say? I encourage you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. Interesting that he would say it that way. And don't get me wrong, I would encourage you, use your time wisely. Give your time and effort and energy to the Lord. Those are good and worthy sacrifices to make. And I wish we had more who would commit that type of, of, of action and spiritual discipline and commitment to their lives. But what does it mean to present our bodies as living sacrifices? We can flash back and if we get this wrong, if we think about this in the wrong way, we, we can picture a, a, a young lady being thrown to the volcano and sacrifice the body to appease the gods. no. But to sacrifice or, or to present our bodies as living sacrifice, and not our time, not even our souls or our spirit, but our physical flesh and blood and muscle and fat and bones, 
our bodies. And I think we can better understand this encouragement from Paul in verse 1 by looking at verse 2. Because we get further instruction then in verse 2. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Renewing of our minds. All right, Paul, what? I thought we were talking about bodies. Why are we now talking about minds? What? There, there's a difference there. And I, I would, just for some, some context, in the ancient times, there were several Greek philosophers who, who, would, who, who generally liked to separate the body from the mind, they, they, as if they were two different things. And they would generally speak of the soul or the spirit uh, or even the spiritual in positive terms, in, in good language. They were good, they were enduring, they were valuable. Whereas the physical, the body, the flesh, that was not good, uh, not enduring, not valuable. And there was somewhat of a, a distinction, almost like good and evil. The spirit, the soul, the non-tangible, that is what is good. And then the body, the physical world, that, that's not so good. And that's actually not the stance that we find in Scripture. It, it, that's not the words of Jesus or Paul or Peter or any of the disciples. These were the teachings of the, the, the Greek philosophers, Socrates and Plato, the, the, the minds of the day. But somewhere along the line, we have got it into our heads that God is only interested in saving our souls. And the rest, the physical, God's not much interested in that. And so we can give our heart to Jesus or we can let Jesus save our soul, but our body, eh, do what you want. doesn't matter. As long as my soul is saved, that's what counts. Here's the problem with that. The problem is what we read in Scripture. The problem is what... What Jesus showed us is as he showed up, just he showed up not just as a floating spirit. Jesus is not just a soul, but when he showed up, he showed up as a human being. At first, in the form of a baby that grew, and it grew in stature, and he had flesh and blood and muscles and fat and bones and hair and fingernails and boogers and he had it all very human human and you know he went to the cross and he died for our sins and by that next Sunday morning what did the resurrection look like I'm here to tell you today it was not Jesus came back from the dead in the form of a spirit or a soul or a floating entity. It wasn't Jesus' body left behind, but his spirit or soul was resurrected. No, the disciples came to the tomb, and you know what they found in the tomb? Empty. There was no soul, there was no spirit, there was also no body. It was all resurrected. Body, soul, mind, spirit, all of it, physical, spiritual. There is no differentiation between the two. In the resurrection, all of Jesus was resurrected. And the Bible says one day we too will be resurrected, just like Jesus. Now, there are things about our bodies that will be dealt with in the new creation, and praise God, because I don't want any more aches and pains that I have in my body. Some of you might laugh, but I turned 40 years old a, a year ago, and man, I, I know, I know, yeah, hear the, hear the guy complain. But I roll my ankle and I'm like, well, that's just going to hurt for a while now. It doesn't, it doesn't repair as quickly as I thought it would. I went and played basketball with the, the, 
uh, fire and EMS guys. I'm, I'm the chaplain for the fire department here in Winfield, and they like to keep up with cardio. And so I went and played basketball with them. Um, three days later, I'm still kind of sore. I said, "What is? What is this body? Come on, keep up." But no, we know that in in full glory, in time, no more aches and pains, no more suffering. And praise the Lord, no more memory loss, no more impairments. I think some of the most evil things of this world are things like dementia, Alzheimer's, ways in which we, um, I don't know, it seems like we lose our dignity as we age. It's evil. It is not what God intends for us. And I'm thankful for what scripture would describe as new bodies. Not no bodies at all, but new bodies in the resurrection. So here in Romans 12, Paul tells us, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. How? By the renewing of our minds. Let me tell you today, the question is not, are we willing to present our bodies as sacrifices? The question is more, to whom or what are we presenting our bodies as sacrifices? And I could show you a literal example. We have a picture of this that I'm going to show you. It's a photograph that was posted online two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, this was posted online. And uh, I don't know how well you can see it. I'll describe it for you. At the top, this is a tattoo. This is a man's arm, okay? Definitely not my arm. That's a bigger, more muscular arm than mine. But this is a man, the inside of his arm, okay? At the top is his armpit, okay? At the top, it says Chiefs. Big, this is a Chiefs fan, all right? Underneath that, the kind of darker area is a Chiefs helmet, the football helmet. And just underneath that is the logo for Super Bowl 58. Super Bowl 58. That's tonight. That's tonight's Super Bowl. Super Bowl 58. And below that, it says Champions with a Kansas City Chiefs logo on it. Meaning, two weeks ago, this guy got a tattoo that says Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl Champions. I hope that works out for him. <laughs> but he really put it on the line, didn't he? He presented his body for this. <laughs> and, I mean, we've spent an entire month on wisdom, right? <laughs> Making wise decisions. I don't know that that was the wisest decision. It might work out for him. I, I, I don't know. We'll see. But I don't know that Paul was talking about tattoos when he said, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. I, believe me, I've heard many sermons that will point out the various ways in which our society today willingly, we give our body, we even destroy our bodies by doing something short-sighted or unhealthy, or we just don't take care of our bodies in, in ways that show we really don't care. And we think it's just going to be our souls floating around when in truth, the resurrection story of Jesus and the entire narrative of Scripture tells us it will be mind, soul, and body. And we know from a later passage that our bodies are to be temples for the Holy Spirit, places in which the Spirit of God dwells within us as we represent God to the rest of the world. But in the context of Romans 12, Paul immediately references not tattoos, or, I don't know, what are the other ways we destroy our bodies these days? Sugary drinks? 
uh, substances, greasy fast food. No, he says by the renewing of your mind. There are two paths we find in verse 2. Be conformed to the patterns of this world. You can be conformed to the patterns of this world. Paul does not recommend that. Or be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, to present your body is to renew your mind. These are connected. We can't say, ah, Jesus, I have Jesus in my heart, and then give our minds over to something else. We can't say, oh, my soul is going to heaven. But we treat our bodies in ways that has no indication that we want to live any kind of life pleasing to God. What that is, is it's being conformed. And scripture says, don't be conformed. But we, in our society today, we, being conformed is something we pursue far too often. When you go back to the original Greek, the, the word for conformed here is to conform to someone else's patterns or change yourself to fit in with others. That's what it means to conform. And we desperately, as a society, we desperately are just a whole bunch of individuals who want to fit in. And so much so that people will change their clothing, their behavior, their allegiances, change so much about themselves just to fit in with the people they want to gain approval from. They will conform. Here's the problem. Pick out another person that you know in your life. Either you know them personally or they're, I don't know, a celebrity or famous or you're, you know of them. And maybe even someone you, you really respect. And someone you wish you were more like them. And it, it might come from good intentions, but if you try to be like them, will you be as good as them at being them? Let me give you an example. Another one, and hey, let's, let's stick with this theme today of the Super Bowl. Does anyone know who's singing the national anthem tonight at the Super Bowl? Yeah, Reba McIntyre. Reba McIntyre. She could still belt it. Looking forward to that one. All right, Reba, she's singing. Now, imagine if I called up the best voice actors and voice coaches in the world, vocal coaches, and said, I want you to give me singing lessons. And I want you to train me and lead me and guide me and show me how I can sing just like Reba. I want to sing like Reba. Train me. I'll pay you. Train me. And I called up the best fashion experts and told the fashion experts, make me an outfit in the style of Reba McIntyre. And then I found out what does Reba McIntyre, how does she train her voice? How does, what is her diet and nutrition? How does she exercise? How does she take care of her body? All these things. And whatever she does, I'm going to do, and I'm going to spend hours and hours and days and weeks and months training all year long to do all I can to be just as good as Reba McIntyre. And then next year, at next year's Super Bowl, before the Cleveland Browns and Chicago Bears play, I would step up to that microphone, now you know I'm dreaming, and sing the national anthem just like Reba. Now, I have conformed to all of the ways of Reba McIntyre. All that she does. Will I sound just as good as Reba? 
Okay, you didn't have to agree that much. But you're right. I will not. I will fall short. Why? Because we always fall short when we compare ourselves to someone else. If I try to be the best Reba that I can be, I will fail. That is the flaw of conforming to someone else. Would I be a better singer? Yeah, I think after voice lessons and coaching and and intentionality and practice, I bet I would be a better singer. Would I be more of a star than I am today? Well, if I, if I really follow the Reba way, just maybe. But would I be as good as Reba is at being Reba? No. Because I was not created to be Reba McIntyre. It doesn't matter how much I conform to her patterns, that won't work. And Romans 12 says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. Don't try to measure up to the rich, the famous, the powerful, the beautiful. You will always fall short when you try to conform to someone else. But we have another option. And Paul gives us this. Instead of being conformed, instead, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Let's get the tattoo off there now. We, we, we got enough of that. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And transformation is not the same as confirmation, of being conformed. Remember, to conform is to try to be someone else. To transform is, and the Greek, here, the Greek word here is different. It's the word that gives us metamorphosis. And that makes me think of a caterpillar. A caterpillar will hit that stage in his life and begin to spin a cocoon and wrap himself up. And a caterpillar gives time and effort and energy and even its entire body to a transformation. And what comes out is not something looking like some other caterpillar. No, it is a total transformation into a beautiful, life-changing butterfly. And suddenly, this creature that could only crawl around in the dust, what a message for Ash Wednesday coming. Now this creature can reach new heights it could only dream of before and maybe not even dream of. Transformation is not about comparing yourself to another caterpillar or another person. Transformation is about becoming the exact person God has created for you to become and wishes for you. And not through your own strength or power or understanding or planning, but it is a renewing of our minds which comes when we present our bodies. As living sacrifices. What it is, it's the entire package. It's the whole deal. Mind, soul, body, strength. And what comes about when we make that sacrifice and allow God to transform, Paul gives us that as well at the end of verse 2. So that you can figure out what God's will is, what is good and pleasing and mature. 
Can I tell you today, as a pastor, and I've been a pastor now for um, going on 12 years, one of the primary prayers I hear, I, it's, I have it in my life, and I've heard it in so many others, is, God, I just, what is God's will? I just want to know what God wants me to do. I just want to know his will for my life. I'd like to know, and our prayers, God, what in the world are you up to right now? This doesn't make sense. Or why is this happening? Or I don't understand what's going on here. Or is this a temptation from the devil? Or is this a blessing from you? Or what? What is going on? Help me figure out what God's will is. Wouldn't you love to know what God's will is? Here it is. Romans 12, chapter 2. Chapter 12, verse 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can figure out what God's will is, what is good and pleasing and mature. The person who presents everything to the Lord, their mind, their body, their heart, their soul, and is willing to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, can know and figure out what God's will is. This week coming up is Lent, or this season we're going into is the beginning of Lent. And it starts with Ash Wednesday. And, and please come back Wednesday. We've got some plans in place and we've been working on some things. And this is, I'm, I'm excited about what we've got in store. Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. right here in the sanctuary. It marks the beginning of the season of Lent. 40 days between Ash Wednesday and Easter Sunday. 40 days plus Sundays gets us to Easter Sunday. And the season of Lent generally is a call to know our own mortality. In, in the dust, you'll receive some ashes on your forehead as a, as a physical reminder. But also it is a season of sacrifice. And there are some denominations and faith backgrounds that collectively, they, they just they give up meat. That's the sacrifice. Everybody gives up meat. And, and I would say it this way. I don't want us to conform to follow someone else's obedience to God. Here's what I would suggest instead. I want you to make a sacrifice for these 40 days coming up to give up something during the Lenten season. And it has to be something that is meaningful to you, an individual decision by you. And I'm not going to tell you what to give up because you know your life and your relationship with the Lord better than I do. But let's commit to give up something that might be a way in which you have conformed to the world. Maybe not even intentionally. But it's time, at least for a season, to leave that behind. What am I talking about? Do I need to give up sin? Yes, okay. That, that's not a 40-day thing. That's a rest. Yes, please, give up sin. But this is something that may not be sinful and it might not, might not be wrong, but it's just maybe something you've leaned on a little more than you should or something you've conformed to because others do it. Maybe meat would be a good one to give up. That'd be difficult. Give that up for a season. Maybe every day the entire world wakes up and drinks a cup of coffee and maybe just for 40 days... You could leave that behind as a sacrifice. 
See what happens. Now, that would not be a good one for me. I don't drink coffee. And some of you are ready to fight me in the parking lot right now, okay? I, I, I get that this is going to be your decision what you determine you may want to give up. I want you to give up something that will be a challenge for you, that will be disruptive in some way, and will be a sacrifice. Some of the best sacrifices for Lent are the things that you give up that create more time in your schedule that allows you to spend more time than praying or reading your Bible or doing a kind act for someone else. Maybe it's time to distance yourself from something that takes up too much of your time. Social media, television, your phone, somehow. What, what might that be? And I will say this as a caveat as well. Don't give up something that, as a result of that, will bring harm to others, okay? I'm going I'm to give up taking out the trash for Lent. It is a sacrifice for the Lord that I'm, I'm going to make. And then, and then no, I, I'm going to give up all household chores so I can have the time to read my Bible. I'm going to give, I'm, I'm not going to change diapers. I'm, I'm going I'm to give all of that up as a sacrifice to the Lord. Yeah, I'm not even looking over there. She's going to give up being married during Lent. Right? Don't become a burden for others without maybe talking that through, okay? But the key here is disrupt your life. Disrupt your life as a sacrifice and a spiritual discipline for God. It's 40 days. It's a season. And get serious about this. You got some time to think about it. It starts Wednesday. And come back on Ash Wednesday. Ready for a spiritual practice, a discipline. And here's what that will do, I hope for you. Is as you lean away from something that you have conformed to, that has become a pattern in your life. And you lean away from that. You just might find yourself... Leaning in to depend on the Lord a little bit more. You better pray about this. You better pray through this. But take a few days. It starts on Wednesday. Come back. Join us Wednesday evening for our Ash Wednesday service. And what might you want to sacrifice to the Lord? Join me in this song, would you? Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving, I'll be a Now we make it a prayer. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving. I'll be a living sanctuary.
prepare each heart in this place. Prepare each body in this place, Lord, for a season of disruption. Lord, we are now thinking about, we're contemplating, we're maybe even wrestling with a thing that we need to give up. And Lord, for some of us here today, it jumped out right away. It's obvious. Yep, I need to give this up. Would you confirm that in their lives, Lord? And would you make a way where maybe even there seems to be no way to give this up? But may it foster a dependence on you. For some, we're not sure. Maybe we're wrestling with a few different ideas or nothing has really come to mind, Lord. Would you put within our mind and within our heart over the next few days some discernment, some wisdom to decide, you know what, this is my sacrifice just for this season, Lord. And Lord, to be able to do something like this, we need your strength. We need your spirit leading us and guiding us. And may we depend upon you fully, completely, wholly. And we know, Lord, you will be faithful. Be with us on this day. Give us rest today. Bring us all back together on Wednesday as we face our own mortality, our dustness. And then journey with you to the cross and your wonderful celebration of resurrection, Lord. Thank you for what you have promised, what you have done, what you have promised, and what is to come. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.